In his presence There is joy Beyond all measure And at his feet Peace of mind Can still be found And if you have a need I know he has the answer Yes he does Reach out and claim it For we're standing On holy ground Praise the Lord Good morning Grace and Truth Church This is Pastor Will Coming to you once again From the tree house here In my home office Missing everyone Wishing we could meet together But uh just know that we are together in spirit and that we love you, praying for you, and believing, uh, really believing that uh, we're going to be able to start meeting together again very soon, very soon, as soon as next week, I really believe. So let's just believe for that together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. And even though we can't be together uh, physically, we are together in spirit, and we just bless everyone who hears this message, no matter where they are in this world or when they hear it. We just thank you for your precious anointing that breaks every yoke, and we just thank you that your word will take root and bear fruit in the lives of all who hear this message, make it their own. Thank you, Lord. I just want to talk to you today um, briefly. I'm going to try to, <laughs> try to. I woke up this morning saying, "Lord, I have no idea." what you want to share with your children. And as I sat here with him for a while, I got to the place where I said, Lord, I've got too much to say now. You've given me too much. I'm just so full that I'm just going to give you the overflow and try to keep it brief. <laughs> In Jesus' name. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, listen, I want to talk to you a little bit today about having the proper perspective in our relationship with God. And I think it's important for us to understand not only His love, but His need for us in that relationship, as well as vice versa. Our dependency and our need for Him as we love Him because He first loved us and how the relationship works out of that that uh, mutual understanding and relationship the body of christ has not taken on its true identity in christ i think that it's been so dependent on persons with special anointings uh, for their miracles and to be healed and uh, just begging god to do things that he's already done god's already provided all the things that people um, are asking and begging him for uh, he's already given those th to us through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ through the atonement, um, just coming out of uh, Resurrection Sunday uh, and the last couple of weeks we've been talking about our risen King and so I want to continue on with that and talk about the significance of that, but I want to get some perspective today on our relationship with Him. Because God loves us and in His mercy and in His love He's already given us everything that we'll ever need. If we need a miracle... You know, it's good. God in His mercy, he, you know, He is ready and able um, to to do that for us. But we shouldn't be become dependent of, on miracles um, because, honestly, I want to share with you today that they're not God's best. 
I know that when a, a miracle is, is needed, it's the best thing at the time because we're desperate. But that's the point. God doesn't want us to be desperate and living from miracle to miracle. He doesn't want us to wait for our train to wreck off the tracks or to, um, to, to, to beg him for a miracle and to be in need of a miracle. He wants to teach us uh, to how to keep our, our, our train on the track, as it, as it were, to, to keep us from wrecking and, and going into the ditch. <laughs> so nevertheless I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about this. You see the the point is that a, a miracle requires some some something that we don't want to have a crisis. Without a crisis there's no need for a miracle and we don't want to live crisis to crisis. The other problem with miracles is that they're only temporary. They're not as abundant as the blessing of God, which is what he wants us to walk in. The, 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 the miracle just meets that specific need for that specific time. And then, you know what? We go right on about our business creating another crisis another, uh, or allowing another crisis to come upon us. And then sometimes bad things just happen to good people. But the point is we want to learn how to live in the blessing of God because He's not prone to suspend his spiritual and natural laws to, for miracles all the time because he created both. Now, in his love and in his mercy, he will do that for, for, for us because it's the goodness of God that brings repentance and he does love us and he is merciful. And that's his nature. But I'm just trying to show you that that's not his best. We need to learn how to operate in the spiritual laws that God has set in place. To learn the, 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 the law of sowing and reaping because it applies to everything in the Christian life. Our time, our money, our love, our, our gifts, everything. Seed, time, and harvest. So we need to be sowing good seed all the time if we want to be uh, reaping a, a blessing, a harvest of blessing all the time. Because the blessing is abundant and it's eternal. It's, it's not a thing. It, it, the blessing is the favor of the Lord spoken over you and it believed by you. You know, you do have to believe that. Romans 10.10 10, um, tells us that it's with the heart we believe and with the mouth we confess. So I just want to make sure that we are understanding. And uh, without understanding, we will, the enemy will be able to steal from us. And, but once we understand the truths of God's word, the Holy Spirit will help us to, to embrace it. And uh, we need to believe it and we need to speak it into, into uh, fruition. Amen. We're creating our futures with our words. Praise God. I, uh, you know, we've been in Isaiah 53. And, and it's always uh, a beautiful place to go because it's such a, a, a graphic portrayal of God's um, sacrifice for us on the cross. Uh, Isaiah 53 says that Jesus um, died on the cross and uh, the divine exchange that took place there, I want to just touch on it again. Because on the cross, through Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and enthronement, there was a divine exchange that took place. For everything that we need. God has now provided all things. That the Christian will ever believe. For this life. And for eternal life. <coughs> in Christ. <coughs> Isaiah 53. Verse 4 said. He, Surely he took up our infirmities. And carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God. Smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. 
He was crushed for our iniquities. That's our sin. The penalty for sin is death. Jesus bore that penalty for us. He took our place in the hangman's noose and the electric chair, however you want to see it. But he stood up and took your place. No matter how good of a life you lived, you could live better than all the Christians that live around you. You could live better than 99.9% of all the people in the world and you've still sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and your and the penalty for that sin was death. Jesus bore that penalty for you and so Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden, they died instantly. How? In their spirit because you say, well, they lived for hundreds of years after that. They did physically, but spiritually they became dead and that's what happened with us. We were born dead. Our, our father was Satan until we became born again and received the spirit of the Lord and came back into fellowship, into relationship with God through the atonement of Jesus Christ and accepting him as our Lord and Savior. So this is where he saved us spiritually. He was pierced for our transgressions. So he paid the penalty for that sin. So our, our spirits were redeemed. And now our spirits have been renewed, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. One third of our salvation is complete. We are perfected forever. And there's that. Then the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. The peace, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. So there he took our, he took everything that, that comes against our peace. That's in our soulish realm, our mind, our will and emotion. So he healed us there. And then, and by his wounds, you were healed. So this is talking about physical healing, not spiritual healing. The spiritual was done when he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. That spirit, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. That's our soul. And by his wounds or by his stripes, you are healed. That's our physical healing. So we are whole in Christ because we all like sheep had gone astray. Each of us had turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid upon Jesus the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, he did not open his mouth because he it was per, he purposed in his heart to be that willing, that free will sacrifice, that that atoning lamb of God. Now, that's how he identified with us. He took all of our bad in exchange for all of his good, all of our negative inheritance. Our death and everything that we had coming to us, he took so that we could receive all of his positive inheritance. Everything good that was coming to him is we now share with him as co-heirs with Christ of everything in the kingdom of God. Now, I want us to look at Hosea 6. If you're tracking with me through the scriptures, go to Hosea chapter 6. And I want to show you something really beautiful. Here's a place in Scripture where we can see how the Lord, how we can now identify with God and how God makes it very personal for us. Talking about that same sacrifice, the same crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection, and life that we now live in Christ and how God has referred to it as such and one of these hidden treasures, this hidden manna in the Old Covenant placed there for us at the opening verses of Hosea chapter 6. Come, let us return to the Lord. Us, that's talking about us. 
we uh, Christians, we everyone who has strayed, who has gone their own way and to their own devices and 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 sought after their own things in this world and their own life and their own way, uh, he was punished. He took all the punishment for that, and now in him we have new life. So let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. You see this? This is referring to us as one with Christ. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old has passed away. All the new has come. We are now one with Christ. When we see him, we will be like him. You understand that we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. When God sees us, he sees Christ because we are in him and he is in us. We are one with Jesus Christ. And now this is an old scripture, Old Testament scripture referring to us as one with the Lord and how we were with him on the cross. We were with him in the grave and through baptism. We went down into the earth and, when, and then when we were resurrected to new life in Christ and now we are enthroned with him in heavenly places. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us. Three days in the grave, and then we were resurrected with Christ, that we may live in his presence. Verse 3, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him as surely as the sun rises. He will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. I believe that last portion is talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which came. Jesus uh, walked among us or walked among uh, the disciples for 40 days after he was resurrected. And then what they call Ascension Day. Now he ascended to heaven. He was taken up into the clouds right before their eyes. And then 10 days later in the upper room, there was the outpouring of the gift that they were called to wait upon from God. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and these are the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. He came to us and in that form. He told the disciples, it's good that I'm leaving, because then my Father will send the gift, the promised Holy Spirit. That way, God can be with us and in us at all times, in all places, in all ways, every day. Praise be to God. That's a beautiful passage of Scripture. It's very hard being here alone because I can't see your faces, but I look forward to seeing everyone again very soon. <laughs> but praise God, that's a good place to shout right there. You know, we need to, this this perspective on our relationship, I, I want very much to share what God is, is trying to, to put upon our hearts, is that not only His love and need for us, but vice versa, like I said before. And I think that not only the world, but in large part Christians have become dependent upon the world and have become uh, the, the philosophy and the teachings and the vanity of this world and have become very carnal. We as Christians have become very carnal and most in part a lot of it is due to the very things that God has blessed us with. Um, because the goodness of God is what's supposed to bring repentance and, and, and it's only drawn our attention away from him in many cases. And I think through these times, um, this COVID thing that has tried to come upon us, we rebuke it, we reject it in Jesus' name. It will not touch any of you. But maybe, hopefully, 
prayerfully, it's caused us to take a step back and learn to spend more time with the Lord and to focus on the things that are really important and to find out there there's a lot of things we really just don't need and we've had to do without and you know what we didn't really miss them and the time that we've been able to spend with family and and uh, and with the and 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 in some cases the 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 absence of being able to spend time with some, I know what I mean by that in my personal situation is that I get to spend a lot of time with my wife because she's been off I've been working more but but uh, she has been here so it's been very nice in that way, but at the same time, we miss very much our our uh, the rest of our family, our uh, the kids and our grandkids. So, anyway, it just helps us to get our priorities straight. You know, they used to think that the the Earth was uh, flat. They used to think that the the sun revolved around uh, the Earth, and and uh, there was a lot of misconceptions about things like that. And then they found out that that's not true that the, the earth actually revolves around the sun. And, you know, when you, when you, when you are in the earth, you, when, when you're on the earth like we are, and uh, it's easy to look up at the sun and you see it as just a light there, sort of like a light bulb that God has placed in the heavens to shine its light on you and, uh, and to have that sort of perspective. But did you know that the sun is... Oh, 109 times the diameter of the earth i don't know if you can sort of get the gravity of that that means that approximately 1,300,000 planet earths could fit inside of the sun 1,300,000 earths could fit inside of the sun isn't that weird just to think that thing is huge way bigger than us 1,300,000 Earths could fit inside of the sun. And you know, the sun is not even the, the biggest star. There's, there's one uh, called Betelgeuse. It's like 500 times or 300 times. I don't know the, the size of the sun. And then there's another one that it's, it's, I can't think of the name of it. It's like 2,000 times as big. But our perspective can be so skewed. And I think sometimes my point of this is that is that sometimes people think that the that the um, that everything revolves around them, and that they're the center of the universe. And, and we need to get some perspective here. We need to know that God is bigger than us, and that not to make us uh, to yeah to humble us, but also to know that He's a, if we know that He loves us and He's for us, understanding how huge and how vast and how strong and how powerful He is. And how loving and caring is, it will take all the burdens off of us as we cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. Amen. The Bible compares the sun as the bridegroom coming out of his tent. So the, the, I think that's Psalm 19 uh, verses 4 and 5. God has, 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 has set up a tent in the heavens for the sun. And then the sun comes out of the tent. It's talking about the sun rising in the morning, like the bridegroom, Jesus, coming out of his tent. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus and, and us coming out of his tent for us. But, you know, at night, when we don't see the sun, it can get really dark. And <coughs> how do we know that the sun is still there at night? Well, 
a lot of times we can see the moon. And, you know, the moon is is shining light, but that's not that's not its own light. It's just reflecting the light of the sun. And, you know, that's that's what we're compared to the moon as we reflect the light of of the Lord on this earth. And without the moon, it can be a really dark night. The world needs our light. We are supposed to shine our lights brightly. When people see us, they're supposed to see God. They're supposed to be reminded of the Lord. We need to ask ourselves, if we were arrested for being a, a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict us? I'm not saying this to criticize anyone or to condemn anyone. It's just to maybe be a little reflective and to seek the Lord because it's important that we do. That passage of scripture in Hosea 6 is beautiful. It's a wonderful description of the crucifixion and burial and resurrection of of the Lord, just like Isaiah 53 is. but, But the key word is us. In Hosea 6, talking about us being with him and and, and through all that. And even now, with him, as part of him. We need to identify with him. It's us and, and not me. We're not the center of the universe. We're just a very small thing. But God, we are the, we are the object of God's affection. He chose us in him before the beginning of time. He preordained us, and maybe I'll I'll read some of that before we end here. Let's look at Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. This is a passage of scripture that I have on my refrigerator. It's one of the ones that took me through a very tough trial in my life this past year. I want to read it. Isaiah 40, starting at verse 28. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Verse 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Hallelujah. I love that passage of scripture. It's so comforting. But the Lord is telling us that there are a lot of trials and tribulations in this world. We know that to be true. Some of you may be going through some of those trials right now. There's lots of temptations in life. Even even being confined to our homes and things like that. You hear the reports of the depression and the suicides and all this craziness and the addictions just because people are being confined. I think of all the people that are in prison. The same struggles that play on their minds and I, I I I just can't even imagine but the thing is we can't stand alone 
in this world against the, the pressures of life, the temptations of life, the trials and tribulations of life. The burdens are too great. We're not meant for that. I always say sheep were never meant to carry packs on their back. We are supposed to cast our cares upon the Lord and walk lightly. We're not made to function independent of God. Jeremiah 10.23 says that we're created to be God-dependent and that apart from Him, we can do nothing. We'll always make a mess of it. Yet we continue to try and try and try. We go out on our own, not going to be told what to do. Oh, how they hated correction. How you hated correction is what the, the Bible refers to over and over again in Proverbs and Psalms. But we're not supposed to be like that. We're supposed to run to God and not from Him, knowing that He loves us. Psalm 127, the first verse talks about the fact that every human action, every human endeavor, everything that we try to do or want to do, if it's not ordered or empowered by, by God, it's doomed to fail in one way or another. You may gain a lot of riches in this world, but the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he has no sorrow with it. Have you ever had what you thought you wanted in this life and then realized it's still you left, we were left empty? I have. Because it didn't, I wasn't blessed by God. It was just something that I sought after. And then when I got it, I realized there was still emptiness. There was still a void. It was a God-sized void in me. I needed God. And now that I have Him, the things of this world are not what's important. It all belongs to my Father anyway, to your Father in heaven. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he has no sorrow with it. The good news is we can soar like the eagle that it talks about here in Isaiah 40. Up above every obstacle that the devil throws our way. By living the life we were created to live. Totally dependent on God. That's what he wants. And that's, I would argue, the normal Christian life. I don't mean normal because that's the norm of what you see, but it should be normal for the Christian to walk in the blessing of God, to walk closely in relationship with God, to be able to soar above only and not beneath, to be the head and not the tail, only blessed and not cursed. How? How do we do this? What's the key? What's the key... If you read those scriptures in Isaiah 40, what's the key? Waiting on the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. Isaiah was talking about looking to the Lord in expectation. That Hebrew word there for wait is one of the meanings is expectancy. To have expectancy. To expect. And that's the way Christians are supposed to live. We're supposed to have a confident expectation of good from God. That's Christian hope. That's what we call faith. And it's only by faith that we can renew our strength and not grow weary 
Believe me, everybody, you know, you might take off and you might be strong. You might be um, fit. You could take off and run a pretty good race. But eventually, you're going to grow tired. You're going to grow weary only by faith. Are you going to be able to renew that energy and that strength? Faith is the spiritual energy, the spiritual conduit, the, the hand that reaches out and takes hold of the things provided by grace. It's the conduit that taps into the, the source of all the power and provision that God has provided through the atonement, through the cross, all that divine exchange that we've been talking about. He became poor that you might be rich. He became the curse on the on the tree, but, but cursed is everyone who's hung on a pole. He became that curse so you could walk in the blessing. So why are we settling for less? Why are we living crisis to crisis and then begging God to do things that he's already empowered us to do? You know, when they went into the promised land, God had been feeding them in the desert for 40 years supernaturally with manna from heaven because there was a, a need, there was a crisis situation that he had called them into. So he provided supernaturally with the manna from heaven. It rained down and they went out and gathered it and ate that every day. That's the word of God, by the way. It's a type and shadow of the word of God. It rotted if they tried to gather more than one day's worth. They had to feed on it every day. And then they gathered twice as much on before the Sabbath, and then they rested on the Sabbath. But nevertheless, it was a type and shadow of, of the Word of God. But you know, when they entered into the Promised Land, when Joshua, was a picture, a type and shadow of Jesus, led them into the Promised Land, the reason Moses didn't is because we know what he did when he struck the rock and upset God, but also... I don't believe he ever was intended to be allowed to because he was a, he's a picture of the law. And the law is never going to get us into the promised land. It's only on a bridge that we can cross over, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. But when Joshua led them into the promised land, you know the manna from heaven stopped. It stopped, and some people went out and looked for it that next day, but it wasn't there. If they'd been dependent upon that and just sat around waiting for the, the government handout, as it were, and, and not realize, realizing that he had already given them a huge hand up, he had brought them into the promised land. Now they had to learn to operate in the, the, the new laws. The blessing of God was upon that land. It was like the Garden of Eden then. They had to go out, though, and they had to go and gather, and they had to, to, to learn to plant and to reap to sow and to reap a harvest of the things that were there. That's where the huge grapes were that the spies had, had found when they went to spy out the land. There was huge houses there that giants had lived in. It was just already made for them, but they had to go and do, do all these things. They had to take the land. And there were, you know, there were still some enemies in the land. There was all sorts of the ites that you read about in the Old Testament. And they still had to go out and fight against those that's a picture of us. In this world, we will have tribulation, but be a good, good cheer. I've overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. And we overcome this world by our faith, the word of our testimony, and the blood of the Lamb. We can walk in the blessing of God. It doesn't mean that hard things and hardships aren't going to come upon us. But 
we have the blessing of God. We have the salvation of God. We are, we have the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete, that comes alongside and takes hold together with us against all the trials and temptations and the terrible things that the enemy tries to send against us in this world. We can soar above every obstacle the devil throws our way. We just live the life we're created to live in obedience to God. That's the normal Christian life. And we do it by waiting on the Lord, expecting good from God. That's how, we're, that's how we walk in the blessing. That's how we receive the blessing. It's only by faith that we can do this. Psalm 23, I love thinking on that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's nothing I can, I can be deprived of that I really need because I'm dependent upon God to provide. He's my responsibility now. I don't have to carry the burden and the worry. Does it mean I don't work? I don't go out and do all the things that I'm called to do? Of course I do. Because that's all part of it. That's part of God's spiritual laws that are at work. You don't work, you don't eat. But then remember the Lord your God who has given you the power to obtain wealth. So we sow, we sow into the kingdom, we sow, everything is in seed form. We learn how to cooperate with those spiritual laws that are at work so that we can continue to to partake. We're not making God, we're not twisting God's arm by being obedient or by learning to to participate in the spiritual laws that he has in place for our benefit. We're just taking advantage of what he's already provided through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, through the atonement. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. When you lose your peace, when you get off into your emotions, the Lord is the one who restores your soul. You need to meditate on the word. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans ten seventeen. Lamentations three twenty five says the Lord is good to those who wait for him. Remember the waiting is expecting. Christians aren't like the world. We don't grieve like the rest of the world. I've Use that scripture, and you've probably heard it every time you've been to a home going or a funeral in this life. Christians aren't supposed to grieve like the rest of the world who have no hope. We have hope because we have God and we have salvation through Jesus Christ, and He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and we have eternal life in Him. If we have Jesus, then we have the Father and we have everything. The whole meaning of eternal life, according to John 17, 3, is knowing God and knowing the Father, God the Father, and knowing His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. That's it. So eternal life doesn't mean going to heaven. It means, I mean, that's part of the benefit. We will be in heaven with the Lord. But eternal life comes to us when we receive Jesus. If the Holy Spirit can convince you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you do, then you have eternal life within you. Your body has become a temple of the Holy Spirit, and now He lives in you. Amos 5.4 says, Seek me, and you shall live. 
Matthew 7, 7. Jesus said, Seek and you shall find. Jeremiah 29, 13. Seek me and you shall find me when you seek me with your whole heart. That's where a lot of Christians get off the train right there. They don't. They think if if they they haven't had an answer to their prayer, the manifestation of what they're asking for, by the time they stop praying, then God just didn't hear them and didn't answer. That's not true. You just keep believing and keep speaking that what you're believing for until you see it. Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty four, believe what that you have what you pray for when you pray, and you shall have it. It's a kingdom of opposites. But you need to learn to cooperate with God's spiritual laws. Otherwise, you you may continue to live crisis to crisis, and God will always be there for you, always trying to guide you, always trying to 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 speak to your heart the holy spirit will say why aren't you trusting me why aren't you spending time with me he wants to remind you of everything that jesus has said we need to be studying the life and the ministry of jesus through the scriptures and only that way will we be able to walk in faith if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then we need the word of God. We need the daily manna from heaven to counteract all of the carnal things, all of the natural things that we just going to experience in this world, much less all the vile things we set before us. You know, the word says, I shall set no vile thing before me. In other words, what are we watching? What are we listening to? I don't mean to... <laughs> I don't want to lose everybody here, but the word does say these things. You know, Psalm 16, 9, um, the psalmist refers to his tongue as his glory. In the King James Version, he says, my glory rejoices. In other versions, it says, my honor rejoices. And in most translations, like the NIV and the New living and so forth it says my tongue rejoices so why is he referring to his tongue as his glory because our our tongues are given to us for one purpose to glorify the father and the son and knowing that every word that we speak that does not line up with the word of god that does not speak blessing and does not honor our Lord Jesus Christ is, is sinful, really. And we need to repent of that. We could start right there and learn how to walk in the blessing just by changing the words that we're speaking. But we're not going to change. Believe me, it doesn't work just by saying, okay, I'm going to change my words. No. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we have to get the word into the garden of our heart let it take root and bear fruit, like I always say. The fruit always has the fruit of the spirit always has to do with our character. All of the fruit of the spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control have to do with our character. And the good news is that character is already in you, in your spirit, your born again spirit, if you belong to Christ. But the way that you Pull it out of your spirit and draw upon it, just like plugging that plug into the wall socket to recharge a, 
of a battery or to recharge your phone is to meditate on the Word of God, to speak God's promises. Every promise of God in Christ is yes and amen for you if you belong to Him. But you have to believe it. You have to believe it. That's what Romans 10.10 says. With the heart you believe and with the mouth you confess. Praise be to God. Well, I want to say that I love you. And I'm just going to try to cut it short. <laughs> you know I want so badly to continue on. I've got so much more to say. You know, let me just read to you for a moment. Out of Romans 8, and we'll end right there. Because this will tie it all together for you. It really will. So I'm being obedient to the Lord right now. I'm just going to read from Romans chapter 8 about living a life through the Spirit. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's very good news. For anyone who's feeling condemned, you feel guilty, all that, Jesus bore those things on the cross. And everything he took on the cross, if you're suffering from those things in this life, that should be your signal to reject them. To know that that's the enemy coming against you and not God. Jesus, anything Jesus took, you should not be willing to bear in this life. It doesn't mean that you're arrogant or prideful or willful. But know that you're in Him. And it'll keep you humble. Remember where you came from. But also know that that person is dead. And it's all because of Him. And it'll cause you to love Him even more. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the carnal nature but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sin nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind is of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. How do we live a life in and after the Spirit? Well, if you're in Christ, you are in the Spirit already. You don't walk in and out of the Spirit. You're not... Uh, you're not a you don't have a dual nature that sin nature is dead and gone and the new nature of God is in you so you are in the spirit if you're in Christ but it's a choice to walk after the spirit that means to walk in agreement with the word of God to put it simply the mind of sinful man is death see that it's in it's a choice it's in the mind the battlefield is between your ears but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. There's what we're looking for. The sinful man or mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by it cannot please God. Look at this. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. 
That's the Holy Spirit, capital S, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. This is amazing. I pray that you get revelation of this. This has compelled me and given me great hope in my life in the past and, and every day, really, because we are supernatural beings now. We are not governed by the laws of this life and of this uh, of this, this carnal body and this carnal world. Um, we are supernatural beings, and it, and it says that our bodies even died with Jesus on the cross and that we were resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit the same power that raised him from the from the dead raised us from the dead and that's what's giving this body life now and if you get a revelation of that it'll be very hard for sickness to come against you because you won't allow it you'll reject it just like you had a spider on you or something you'll get it off in the name of Jesus therefore brethren we have an obligation but it's not to the sin nature to live according to it. But if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, or by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, sons and daughters and children of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Look how personal, look how close and affectionate it is. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Skip down to verse 28. In the same way, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. For we do not, not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts and minds knows, searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. This is amazing. When Jesus was with the disciples, and he breathed on them, and he told them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This was the day that he was resurrected and appeared to them. I believe they were born again. And then on the day of Pentecost, 50 days later, there is a very significance, the, the 50 and the 5. The f number 5 is the number for grace. And I love it very much. If you've read my book, you, you see a chapter in there about the fives. And this is a very special time for me and the Lord in this personal relationship and this identity that we have identifying with him as he identified with us for me because I've always known that being born uh, five, five, sixty-five, the youngest of five, 
um, that um, the when well, not always, but in, since I was born again, the Lord showed me this and showed me that my life was marked by this grace. And, and in just a few days, I'm going to be turning 55. And I know, uh, and, and I'm just saying it by faith and knowing and believing that that is going to be my best year yet. Not best year ever, because I'm not going to go downhill after that, but that will be my best year in all ways, and it will just get better and better and better until the Lord comes back or until he calls us home. But I just want to share with you that this is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They received on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after um, Jesus was resurrected, they receive the Holy Spirit, and you can receive this too. You need it. If you don't have the the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you really need it. Because this talking about the he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. We can pray in the Spirit. This is praying in tongues and the Spirit. When we don't know what to pray, our spirit, coupled with this paraclete that comes alongside and takes hold together with all the trials, all the tribulations, all the temptations, all the struggles of this life, knows how to pray perfectly to the Father. This is something totally unique to you as a Christian. And when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can pray in the Spirit, which is praying in tongues, and it will build you up in your most holy faith and in love. It will edify you, and it blesses God. And if you have not received it, you need it. I'll finish right here, verse 28, Romans 8. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I could preach for a week on those scriptures right there, verses 28 through 30. But the fact is that God is working all things for the good for those who love him. Look, there's a quali they're qualifying. It's a relationship for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So he's not working all things for the good. He's working all all things for the good for you, for, for you who love him, and for you who have been called according to his purpose. Who have been called? All of those who have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And it says that he's working all things for the good. It doesn't mean that everything that happens to us is good. Bad things happen. This is a fallen world, and the devil is still in control in this world for a time. He's not in control of you. You have salvation in Christ. You are redeemed. You are in the shadow and the shelter of the Almighty's wings. And nothing can by any means harm you if you really believe this. But you must believe and receive or doubt and do without. It's better to walk in the blessing than live crisis to crisis. But God is working all things for the good. So long term... God is working and taking all the things that the devil meant for evil, and he's working them for the good in the lives of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And what does it mean, those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the life? So if he already knew before the beginning of the world, uh, he already assigned everyone who was going to be uh, received by him. And no, 
He he, God created time. He is not uh, controlled by it. And so all of the history of mankind is already played out in the mind of God. It's like uh, if the the entire history of the world and mankind were a ruler, and God is just holding in His hand, looking at it, <coughs> and He can see the beginning and the end already. It's already played out. <coughs> Excuse me. All that to say this: He already knows who will respond positively to the message of His Son Jesus Christ and receive Him as Lord and Savior. And those are the ones that He predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ, so that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. What's this saying? Jesus was a seed that God sowed into the earth to receive a crop, a family of other children that were like Jesus, that would love him for him and accept him. And he's going to be your father forever. And he's a good, good father. He loves you. He wants good things for you. And he is there for you. But you need to learn to wait upon the Lord. To look forward to good things from God with expectancy. And to go to him for all things. To renew your strength. To restore your soul. For all the things that you're believing for and needing for. We need to learn to stop. Just to tweak our prayer life a little bit. It's always good to pray all kinds of prayers. I'm not coming against anyone or trying to condemn you. If you are one of those that gets on your hands and knees and begs and cries out to God to do things. Sometimes if we need a miracle, we just need a miracle. And we've let things get so far. But he doesn't want us to live crisis to crisis. We need to learn to live in the blessing of God. And the blessing of God will overtake you. It's like uh, like a... Like a, a a linebacker run, chasing down a, a running back and over tackling them and taking taking them over. That's how the blessing of the Lord is with those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So He wants you to walk in the blessing and not have to live crisis to crisis. But you have to believe it and receive it. I love you, and I hope that you've received this message. I hope that it has been a blessing to you. I, um, I look forward to hearing your voices again very soon. Father, we thank you for this day. I speak a blessing upon everyone who hears this message. I speak the blessing of the Lord. Thank you, Father, for the anointing. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for helping us to have revelation knowledge of all of your spiritual laws that are work at work in this world and in us, and the power and authority that you've given us, and the love that you have for us. Help us to understand these things so that we can walk in the blessing and not have to live crisis to crisis, and not be conformed to this world, but be renewed by the washing of the water of the word in our minds, to come into agreement with you, and to embrace you, Holy Spirit, as you come alongside us and you partner with us in this life to lead us and guide us and strengthen us and remind us of everything the Lord has said all the way to our 
final destination with our Heavenly Bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Help us to be a great reflection of the Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to be as a full moon shining brightly in a dark night on the world so that they can find their way. And help us to be instrumental in many hearing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and saying yes to Jesus to make him their Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We love you and we thank you for loving us so much. You're a good, good father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.